friends, and welcome to Coach by Tara, the podcast where Tara... Hi, that's me. ...coaches me, hi, I'm Mike, on things, life life lessons. Oh. Sometime. Actually, no. We talk, we're talking about Twilight, the first book in the Twilight series by Stephanie Meyer. No life lessons today. This could be a life lesson. There could be life lessons. The life lesson is you like Twilight or you're out. The life lesson is don't eat at Applebee's because they just... Stop, we're not talking about Applebee's. Okay, we're not talking about Applebee's. Anyway, we're on episode, <laughs> chapter number 16 of Twilight. Yes. Uh, but before we get to that... We'll recap chapter I'm going to recap 15. chapter 15, which was called The Colons. The Colons. Which is weird because I feel like they weren't super involved in the chapter. But anyway. But they, but you still got introduced to every single one of yes, them for real. You're right. Yes, gonna, yes, yes. Well, not every one of them. Not we'll get to him. Almost. So, Bella wakes up and Edward's still there and she's excited, but he changed clothes. Weird flex. Anyway, <laughs> she sits on his lap in a rocking chair and that was kind of a weird situation. <laughs> I thought I was going to burp. Okay. I was Tara just like leaned away from the microphone and made the craziest face I've ever seen. She was like. <laughs> they can't see. Yeah, I know. You, but you can hear it. You can hear the face. I thought I was going to burp, but I didn't anyway, want to do it. <laughs> so he's like, yo, do you want to be my parents? And she's like, oh, I'm scared, but not because they're vampires, but because um, meeting she's, the parents, she's meeting the parents, you know, kind of so scary. Anyway, they have breakfast. And by they, I mean, Bella. And then she gets ready. And we have a meme in the Twilight universe where she puts on like basically a Mormon outfit. And he's like, you look indecent. <laughs> utterly, in, indecent. utterly indecent wait and did you read the discord about the meme yeah no wait i put the i meme think in it was discord. in spoilers but it's not a spoiler so i'm oh. gonna read it okay because i did not know this but diana said not sure if this qualifies as spoilery but wait does mike not know that meyer meyer is a practicing mormon and Mango said, I thought she was inactive. And Diana said, well, she at least attends religious events. And I said, wait, I didn't even know that. Like, I didn't know that Stephanie Meyer was a Mormon. Right. I didn't know that either. Until but now. Bella's not a Mormon. No. Right? No. So why should, would she dress up her character like a Mormon? Because she doesn't know how to be in. Because she's living out her fantasy <laughs> this book. Yeah. I guess she so. wants a Mormon vampire boy to sweep her off her feet. I don't know. I don't even know. Anyways, I just had so, to point that out because I was like, thank you, Diana. I didn't even know that. That's like something I didn't even really truly right. know. Didn't know. I guess I'm not a real fan. I guess yeah, fake Twilight fan podcast is canceled. Frick. It's done. I'm leaving. Didn't even finish one book. Oh, Tara just walked out, guys. I guess I'll continue recapping the chapter because <laughs> I'm here. Oh, wait, Tara came back and she's laughing for some reason. Um, so anyway, they go they go to meet Edward's family <laughs> and they roll up to this really beautiful house, three story house. And inside is Carlisle and Esme. Yes. And Carlisle looking looking as as hashtag carlisle as you want him to be oh boy oh boy and then esme's being a mom you know and then shit what's her name what the, the alice alice thank you i can think oh of my god you don't even know alice, alice kind of like floats up to bella and kisses her on the cheek and that makes edward a little nervous because like was she gonna try to bite her ass you know and then <laughs> jasper keeps his distance because he's like 
he's a newer vampire. I'm right? just like calming the room down. He says. Right. He's just calming the room down. So anyway, they meet. It goes very well. They seem to like Bella a lot. They want Edward to be happy. We find out that he plays the piano and he plays this song that's Esme's favorite. And then he plays another one that he wrote for Bella. And Bella says she recognizes it as the song he hums, hums to her from time to time. Mm hmm. And then we find out that... Um, you remember a lot of details. I've read this book a million times, and I could still be like, I need to read it again. I'm a detail-oriented person. And then... Um, Oriented? Yes. Okay. Orientated? <laughs> Sorry, are you saying the word wrong? Weird. Um, no. <laughs> so then she asks, well, how come um, Emmett and... I'm a detail-oriented person. Emmett, Oriented? Emmett. Rosalie. Rosalie. How come they weren't here? And and he's like, well, you know, Emmett's indifferent. Rosalie's he thinks little... I'm crazy, but he's indifferent where she is mad because she doesn't like that she's a vampire. And she doesn't want to be a vampire. And she's jealous that you're not a vampire, mm -hmm. basically. And so anyway, he stops playing and then he starts giving her the tour of the house and they go upstairs and there's this gigantic wooden cross. And so then we start going into the backstory of Carlisle, who we find out was a... Uh, 600 and something in 600 something ad no, no i'm BC, saying oh no AD, yeah AD. no not not 600 years old he's 362 he's 362 years old but he's he was born in like the 1600s 1600s i, I forgot not i forgot a one sorry they talk about how he became a vampire and his dad was a preacher and how he like laid in rotten potatoes until he changed over yeah and um that's kind of it. Yeah, that was kind of it. Tara promised me more lore. This yes, next chapter, chapter 16, which is called... Carlisle. Carlisle. So honestly, this chapter just goes into more of like a deep lore. And it's... Not, I don't think any single part of it is in the book. Or in the movie, sorry. This wow. is the book. But I'll have to read... I, I'll have to go to the end of it to know if any of it truly is it. Okay. Number well, chapter 16, Carlisle. Chapter 16, Carlisle. Tara, are Zaddy. you... Zaddy. Are you ready <laughs> to introduce me to Zaddy, Zaddy Carlisle? I am. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Michael? Yes, Tara? Are you ready to be coached today? Coach me, Zaddy. <laughs> I'm not Zaddy. You're right. You're mommy. No, no. Coach me, mommy. No, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, coach me. Um, Chapter 16, Carlisle. Like I said, lots of lore. Deep lore. Deep Carlisle lore. Deep Carlisle lore. So I'm yeah, excited. like at the end of the last chapter, you know. You ever just sit on your balls on accident? Considering I do not have balls, no. Owie. Um, last end of the last chapter, he talked about you know how they his dad used to be like a monster hunter, basically. Right. And like, cause they didn't believe. Well, as a lot of um preachers back then probably were. Yes. They were witch hunters and multiple different things. Yes. Um. So he hid in the cellar, went in the rotten potatoes for three days while he changed, and then he was just like, you know. I expect you have more questions for me. Yeah. Duh. 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 
So they head into Carlisle's office. And he just like paused outside the door. And Carlisle probably heard him through the door because they have like supersonic hearing. Right, because they're vampires. And he's like invites them in and they go in and it's like mostly bookshelves and like it's basically more books than she's ever seen in a regular library. Kind of like Beast Castle. I would assume kind of like that, but a little bit smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's sitting behind a desk in the room and um, he's like, oh, what can I do for you guys? You know, what's up? Why are you here? Welcome to Dr. Carlisle's office. Yeah. And Edward's just like, you know, I wanted to show Bella some of our history. Well, it's actually your history. And she's like, sorry, we didn't mean to disturb you. And he said, not at all. Where are you going to start? And Edward's like, the Wagoner, which I don't really know what that is. And then it says, just so you know, every time he touched me, because he turned her around to look at something. And he said, it says, every time he touched me in even the most casual way, my heart had an audible reaction. It was even more embarrassing with Carlisle there because they can. Carlisle totally knows. They can hear I'm their so, heart, heart beating. I'm so fucking well, turned Well, plus, like, she's the only heart beating in the whole house. Their hearts don't beat? No. They're like stone, babe. What? It's Everything's like frozen in there. What? Okay, I guess we'll get to that later. I don't later. know that that's normal vampire lore, but okay. Okay, anyways. That, that That's why I was confused by it, because like... Well, like, they wouldn't hear... I don't know. They're hearing well, the blood pumping through it. They don't... They don't got the blood. Right, I guess. They only have venom I, going through their veins. Venom? Yeah, like vampire venom. Mm. <laughs> I, I think most vampires uh, in, in traditional vampire lore... I know, lore but this isn't traditional. ...have blood... And a stake through the heart kills them because no. the heart works still. So that's why I was confused, oh, you're confused. by Sorry. that. Sorry. And you were like, it's made of stone, silly. Well, I mean, you they're, should know. they're like hard and cold, you know? Yeah, I know. I get it now. They're oh, hard and, and venom. cold. Venom, baby. <laughs> venom, what, what does that mean? Okay. Venom? Like the like, poison? Well, like, yeah, but like snakes have their own venom. But that- vampires have their own venom. They do. <laughs> okay. How do you think they turn other vampires into vampires? Well, you just normally it's the difference between sucking all their blood and leaving some behind. Yeah, is normally and, what. Okay, it is. well, you'll learn more later okay. then. I guess I'll learn more about this venom. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so they like Edward's pulling her to the far left side of the room, and in front of a small square oil, in front of her was a small square oil painting in a plain wooden frame. Um. I don't think that matters, but <laughs> it's just like... I was wondering if this chapter, because it's probably going to be less of them just having a conversation and it's the last like five or so chapters have been like just them having yeah. a conversation. If you were going to like stumble a little I'm bit, stumbling. I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, stumbling. what's important? What I don't do I know what's them? important. Nothing. <laughs> well, especially because like a lot of times I fly through this chapter because it it is important, but like. You just learn like bits and pieces of information that's needed, and a lot of it's just like there, and that's obviously why they didn't like put it in the movie. And, yeah. But I guess I mean that doesn't the details of that doesn't matter. But all you can see in the picture is basically a city, mm. and he tells her that it's London in the 1650s or wow. the London of Carlisle's youth. So that's why it's important. Mm. And Edward's like, "Will you tell the story?" 
And Carlisle's like, I would, but I'm actually running a little bit late. The hospital called this morning. Dr. Snow is taking a sick day. Besides, you know the stories now as well as I do. It says, it was a strange combination to absorb. The everyday concerns of the town doctor stuck in the middle of a discussion of his early days in 17th century London. (laughs) It was also unsettling to know that he spoke aloud only for my benefit. Because if you remember before, they just, Carlisle just thinks it and then Edward sometimes just speaks it or whatever. Right. Whatever. He just knows. Yes. So then Carlisle leaves. So now Bella's like, okay, well, like, what happened after he, like, turned, you know, after Mm -hmm. Carlisle turned in the potatoes. After the potatoes. After the potatoes, he was like a stew in there. Potatoes and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing at me. It was funny. He was stewing. He was changing over. I mean, uh, stews are normally, like, there's a broth and there's... Maybe he was seeping things out. I don't know gross anyways venom yeah maybe (laughs) um so then edward says when he knew what he had become he tried to rebel against it he tried to destroy himself but that's not easily done so this basically just picks right back off right right, right. where we left off and she says how i didn't mean to say it aloud but the word broke through my shock he jumped from great heights, Edward told me, his voice impassive. He tried, to drown, he tried to drown himself in the ocean, but he was a young to the new life and very strong. It was amazing that he was able to resist feeding while he was still so new. The instinct is more powerful then. It takes over all of your senses. But he was so repelled by himself that he had the strength to try to kill himself with starvation. Is that possible? My voice was faint. No, there are very few ways we can be killed. I opened my mouth to ask, but he spoke before I could. So he grew very hungry and eventually weak. He strayed as far as he could from the human populace, recognizing that his willpower was weakening too. For months, he wandered by night, seeking the loneliest places, loathing himself. One night, a herd of deer passed his hiding place. He was so wild with thirst that he attacked without a thought. His strength returned, and he realized there was an alternative to being the vile monster he feared. Had he not eaten venison in his former life? Over the next few months, his new philosophy was born. He could exist without being a demon. He found himself again. Mm. So kind of of a cool, like a not cool backstory because he obviously suffered. But like, it wasn't just like, oh, I decided to be this way. It was like. Right. He's like, it wow, was like, I ate venison before. Like, I, it was I just like eat a, animals like it was before. Yeah, it was like a humanity type thing. Mm-hmm. He began to make better use of his time. He'd always been intelligent and eager to learn. Now he had unlimited time before him. He studied by night and planned by day. He swam to France and... He swam to France? People swim the channel all the time, Bella, he reminded me impatient, patiently. That's true, I guess. It just sounded funny in that context. Go on. Swimming is easy for us. Everything is easy for you, I griped. (laughs) He waited, his expression amused. I won't interrupt again, I promise. And he chuckled darkly and finished his sentence. Because technically, we don't need to breathe. You, no, no, you promise. Do you want to hear the story or not? (laughs) He says. Um... 
she's like, you can't spring something like that on me and then expect me not to say anything. Like, hello, how the heck can you just not breathe? And he, she's, he's like, okay, fine. And she's like, you don't have to breathe. <laughs> and he says, no, it's not necessary. Just a habit. He shrugged. How long can you go without breathing? Indefinitely, I suppose. I don't know. It gets a bit uncomfortable being without a sense of smell. Because like mm -hmm. they breathe and it brings up the senses, obviously. Right. A bit uncomfortable, I echoed. I wasn't paying attention to my expression, but something in it made him grow somber. The silence lengthened. His features were immobile as stone. What is it? I whispered. I keep waiting for it to happen. For what to happen? I know that at some point, something I tell you or something you see is going to be too much. And then you'll run away from me, screaming as you go. He smiled half a smile, but his eyes were serious. I won't stop you. I want this to happen because I want you to be safe. And yet, I want to be with you. The two desires are impossible to reconcile. He trailed off, staring at my face, waiting. I'm not running anywhere, I promised. We'll see, he said, smiling again. So, go on, Carlisle was swimming to France. So then he's like back into telling the story about Carlisle. Basically, they're like going around the room and they have like different paintings and like pieces mm -hmm. from their pet, like from his past. And they're like at a canvas next, I guess. Um, and he says Carlisle swam to France and continued through Europe to study at different universities there. At night, he studied music, science, medicine, and found his calling, his penance in that, in saving human lives. So, like, he also felt like a strong need to save, save human people. lives yeah. because he's like, well, I'm not going to be a monster and take human lives. I'm going to help save them. I can't adequately describe the struggle. It took Carlisle two centuries of torturous effort to perfect his self-control. Now he is all but immune to the scent of human blood, and he is able to do the work he loves without agony. So can you imagine? It took him 200 years of yeah. his 360-year well, that's what I was just thinking. Year life to get used to it. When you started describing it, like I was like, I was like, wait a minute. I never thought about the fact that he's a surgeon. How does he do that yeah. like, without wanting to just drink Because he's been alive for so goddamn long. Mm. <laughs> and he just says, like, you know, he finds a great deal of peace there at the hospital, blah, blah, blah. Um, he was studying in Italy, which the picture was um like it looked she she thought in her head it, it was greek like a greek picture but it was actually a picture of italy mm. right because he's the vampire that she read about from italy i know i, I said that i called that <laughs> he was studying well smart. no it, yeah he was studying studying in italy when he discovered the others there they were much more civilized and educated than the wraiths of the london sewers so he found other vampires there that were, that were not like just savages like coming out of the sewers at night and tormenting people. Yes. So then he's like pointing at the picture and showing who is who in the picture. Salomino was greatly inspired by Carlisle's friends. He often painted them as gods. So he the, that's the person that painted them. Aero Marcus Caius, he and said, indicating the three two, the other three people in the picture, two black haired and one snowy white. Nighttime patrons of the arts. What happened to them, I wondered. They're still there, he shrugged, as they have been for who knows how many millennia. Carlyle stayed with them for only a short time, just a few decades. He greatly admired their civility, 
their refinement, but they persisted in trying to cure his aversion to his natural food source, as they called it. They tried to persuade him, and he tried to persuade them, but to no avail. At that point, Carlyle decided to try out the new world. He dreamed of finding others like himself. He was very lonely. So he wanted to find they wanted to have him start feeding on humans. Exactly. Maybe in a more controlled way than the savages. Mm-hmm. But and he was like, no, I want you guys to start feeding on animals. And it and just didn't like, work out. No. Right. Can I uh, say something? Yes. I think the reason that we're being told this mm-hmm. is that and get, we're naming these characters mm-hmm. is that at some point some of them or some of their tribe mm-hmm. are going to show up. You might be right. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be in this book. <laughs> fair, fair. So he didn't find anyone for a long time. So he's traveling towards the new world. Right. But as monsters become the stuff of fairy tales, he found he could interact with unsuspecting humans as if he were one of them. He began practicing medicine, but the companionship he craved evaded him and he couldn't risk familiarity. When the influenza epidemic hit, he was working nights in a hospital in Chicago. He'd been turning over an idea in his mind for several years, and he had almost decided to act. Since he couldn't find a companion, he would create one. He wasn't absolutely sure his how his own transformation had occurred, so he was hesitant, and he was loath to steal anyone's life the way his had been stolen. It was in that frame of mind that he found me. There was no hope for me. I was left in a ward with the dying. He had nursed my parents and knew I was alone. He decided to try. His voice, nearly a whisper now, trailed off. He stared unseeingly through the west windows. I wondered which images filled his mind now. Carlyle's memories or his own. I waited gently. And so we've come full circle, he concluded. Have you always stayed with Carlyle then, I wondered? Almost always, he put his hand lightly on my waist and pulled me with him as he walked through the door. I stared back at the wall of pictures, wondering if I would ever get to hear all the other stories. Almost. He sighed, seeming reluctant to answer. Well, I had a typical bout of rebellious adolescence, about ten years after I was born, created, whatever you want to call it. I wasn't sold on his life of abstinence, and I resented him for curbing my appetite. So I went off on my own for a time. Really, I was intrigued rather than frightened, as perhaps I should have been. And then he's like taking her up the next flight of stairs to the Mm. next part of the house. And he's like, that doesn't repulse you. And he's like, she's like, no. And she's like, he's like, why not? And she's like, well, I guess it sounds reasonable. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's fine. You just. Just for eating humans. No big deal. (laughs) Because you didn't agree with your dad. Right. That's fine, dude. No big deal. And then he said, from the time of my new birth, I had the advantage of knowing what everyone around me was thinking, both human and non-human alike. That's why it took me 10 years to defy Carlisle. I could read his perfect sincerity and understand exactly why he lived the way he did. So he was like, dang, I don't have a good reason. (laughs) I don't have a good reason to go. Dang it. (laughs) It took me only a few years to return to Carlisle and recommit to his vision. I thought I would be exempt from the depression that accompanies a conscience. Because I knew the thoughts of my prey, I could pass over the innocent and pursue only the evil. If I followed a murderer down a dark alley where he stalked a young girl, if I saved her, then surely I wasn't so terrible. 
I shivered, imagining only too clearly what he described. The alley at night, the frightened girl, the dark man behind her, and Edward, Edward as he hunted, terrible and glorious as a young god, unstoppable. Would she have been grateful, that girl, or more frightened than ever before? You could say he was kind of a vigilante. Yeah, that's exactly... Almost like a... Yeah. Batman. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. That's what's kind of funny about Midnight Sun, is you, like, know, you, he, you know more about that side because mm. you're like hearing more of his thoughts mm -hmm. so he tells you a bit a little more a little bit more about how he was he's batman mm -hmm. and robert pattinson yeah is, is also, batman. also batman and also also edward. edward yes also comes full circle he's in the movie where he's in the twin towers when they go down rip at the end that's called remember me oh yeah thank you i can't remember it um couldn't remember him rip <laughs> but as, as time went on he felt that he still was a monster because he's like i'm still eating humans like this right. is not good like even though he felt he was only like he knew he was only eating people that were truly despicable and evil like mm -hmm. he says i couldn't escape the debt of so much human life taken no matter how justified mm -hmm. so he went back to carlisle and esme yeah batman doesn't kill people nope or so he says yeah Sometimes, like, he runs people over with his car and shit. It's like, it's like the, okay, the they might be dead. They might be dead. dead. Dude. So then they finally come to the last door in the hallway, and it's his room. <gasps> oh, my God. Are we going to go in Edward's room? Yes. And he opens the door. We're going to go in Edward's room. And. <laughs> Hanging out in Edward's room. I just wrote that. Thank you so much. For you and this episode. You're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> I said you're welcome. Okay. Anyway, you're they're going in there. Or Edward's thank room. you, I guess. I didn't yeah, want to say thank you. You could have thanked me. I mean, it's fine. Thank oh, you. Fine. You're welcome. <laughs> so he opens the door to his room, and his room faces south with a big wall-sized window, like like the room in the first floor. Like mm -hmm. so, it's like basically a little bigger window. And she's like, oh, the whole back side of the house must be glass. Like, because it faces, like, the landscape, like, of the river and mm -hmm. um, the forest. It's like something I'd make in Minecraft. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Maybe. I want to see the horizon. Yeah. This one looks out to the Olympic mountain range. Mm. Their house does. Um, And then it says, the western wall is completely covered with shelf after shelf of CDs. His room was better stocked than a music store. In the corner was a sophisticated-looking sound system, the kind I was afraid to touch because I'd, break, I'd be sure to break something. There was no bed, only a wide and inviting black leather sofa. The floor was covered with a thick golden carpet, and the walls were hung with heavy fabric in a slightly darker shade. Good acoustics, I guessed? He chuckled and nodded, so he's like, has his room set up so he can just listen to music all the time. He's on a his, music guru. On his weird leather couch. Yeah, I mean, they don't have to sleep. It's like a casting couch. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm picturing it as that now. So then she... I, I just can't believe how accepting you were of that joke. I did, you I'm picturing... Like, you're like, yeah, casting couch, no problem. Yeah, I'm just like picturing yeah. it as that. Um, and she asks like how he has it organized, and he has it organ his music organized by year, and then by personal preference within the year time frame. Mm. That seems like not ideal, because then, like, what if you forget... 
your but preference. He, he, it's just, it'd he be so easy. I'm sure it would be so easy. Like, he could probably scan all the titles so He's quickly. Like, okay, 1900. Um, he's had a lot of time to think about. I this. know. Okay. Okay. So 1995, and he's like, ah, "Did I like? Did I like uh, uh, Nirvana's album over this album?" And then he's got to like look through. I don't know. Seems, I don't know. He well, should have just know. gone alphabetical. Probably. Yeah. And also, if you're sitting there going, uh, "Mike Nirvana didn't have an album to come out in '95," I almost did uh, say that. Do, do, do. You know what? You just just shut it. Okay. Okay. Anyways. He is looking at her kind of peculiarly, and she's like, what? And he was like, I was prepared to feel relieved, having you know about everything, not needing to keep secrets from you. But I didn't expect to feel more than that. I like it. It makes me happy. He shrugged, smiling slightly. I'm glad, I said, smiling back. I'd worried that he might regret telling me these things. It was good to know that that wasn't the case. And he's like still looking at her, and she's like, are you still waiting for me to go to run to the hills running and screaming? And he's like, yeah, he's basically like, yeah. And she says, I hate to burst your bubble, but you're really not as scary as you think you are. I don't find you scary at all, actually. I lied casually. He stopped, raising his eyebrows in blatant disbelief. Then he flashed a wide, wicked smile. You really shouldn't have said that, he chuckled. He growled, a low sound in the back of his throat. His lips curled back over his perfect teeth. His body shifted, suddenly half-crouched, tense like a lion about to pounce. I backed away from him, glaring. You wouldn't. I didn't see him leap at me. It was much too fast. I only found myself suddenly airborne, and then we crashed onto the sofa, knocking it into the wall. All the while, his arms formed an iron cage of protection around me. I was barely jostled, but I was still gasping as I tried to right myself up. He wasn't having that. He curled me into a ball against his chest, holding me more securely than iron chains. I glared at him in alarm, but he seemed well in control. His jaw relaxed as he grinned, his eyes bright only with humor. You were saying, he growled playfully, that you are a very, very terrifying monster, I said. My sarcasm marred a bit by my breathless voice. Much better, he approved. Um, I struggled. Can I get up now? <laughs> he just laughed. Can we come in? A voice, a soft voice sounded out in the hall. Like, ooh, they're on the couch. Someone's going to come in. <laughs> Looks a little weird. Edward, please don't have sex with her with your <laughs> with your uncontrollableness. <laughs> also, um, saying she, she was more secure than in iron chains that that, that just was weird to me. I know. Uh, I definitely did a face, you know, an iron cage. Oh, did you say is it a cage it's holding me more securely than iron chains? You're right. This says both. Iron chain. Does she know what iron chains feel like? I don't know. Does Bella got a weird side? I don't know. I honestly don't. Anyways. <laughs> so then... Um, Shit, I couldn't think of the joke I wanted. Like, oh, I, sticks and stones may break her bones, but whips and chains excite her. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is that a joke or is that a freaking song? <laughs> it's a song. It's a freaking song joke. Oh, okay. Mm. She, she, like, she was going to like free herself but edward just like adjusted her so that she was conventionally seated on his mm. lap and then alice and jasper came in the room and and she was kind of embarrassed because her right. cheeks got a little flushed just as they got they burned but edward was at ease alice seemed to find nothing unusual in our embrace she walked almost danced her movements were so great graceful to the center of the room where she folded herself sinuously onto the floor 
Jasper, however, paused at the door, his expression a trifle shocked. He stared at Edward's face, and I wondered if he was tasting the atmosphere with his unusual sensitivity. It sounded like you were having Bella for lunch, and we came to see if you would share, Alice announced. I stiffened for an instant until I realized Edward was grinning. Whether at her comment or my response, I couldn't tell. Sorry, I don't believe I have enough to spare, he replied, his arms holding me recklessly close. Actually, Jasper said, smiling despite himself as he walked into the room, Alice says there's going to be a real storm tonight, and Emmett wants to play ball. Are you game? The words were all common enough, but the context confused me. I gathered that Alice was a bit more reliable than the weatherman, though. Edward's eyes lit up, but he hesitated. Of course you should bring Bella, Alice chirped. I thought I saw Jasper throw a quick glance at her. Do you want to go? Edward asked me, excited, his expression vivid. Sure, I couldn't disappoint such a face. Um, where are we going? <laughs> we have to wait for Thunder to play ball. You'll see why, he promised. Will I need an umbrella? They all three laughed aloud. Will she? Jasper asked Alice. No, she was positive. The storm will hit over town. It should be dry enough in the clearing. Good then, the enthusiastic in Jasper's voice was catching naturally. I found myself eager rather than scared stiff. Let's go see if Carlisle will come. Alice bounded up into the door in a fashion that would break any ballerina's heart. Like you don't know, Jasper teased, and they were set swiftly on their way. So they all have like their little quirks because like she already knows like what's going to ha like, happen in the future. Right. He's like, whatever. He's like, whatever. Like you already know he's coming. Right. Um, what will I we be playing? I demanded. You will be watching. Edward clarified. We will be playing baseball. I rolled my eyes. Vampires like baseball? It's the American pastime, he said mock, with mock solemn, solemnity. Solemnity. I can't say that mock word. Mock solemnity? <laughs> Solemn. Mock solemnity. I can't say it. Sol the word solemnity. So so solemnity. <laughs> That's the last line in the Okay. In the book, the book's done. Yes, <laughs> Mox Salamity. That's the end of the book, ladies and gentlemen. I can't say it. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Yeah. American pastime. That's all he says. Mox Salamity. <laughs> no. Okay, we're done. All right. Well. Anyway, it's pretty crazy, huh? Yeah. So we learned more about Carlisle. Yes. We just learned more about like how it all got started. Yeah. We learned about um, Edward's chain arms, iron chains. And uh, that we're going to play some baseball, but they need lightning to play. They need thunder to oh. play. That's what they oh, said. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay. That's what I, they I, said. I get it, though. It's because they hit the ball so fucking hard. It's really loud. I get it now. Okay. Didn't I, they just I, say that, though? No, they did. I just misunderstood. I thought you... Oh, yeah. We have to wait for thunder to play ball. I thought it was the lightning, and I was like, are they going to get struck by lightning? What's the... <laughs> but no, the thunder makes sense because they, they're going to hit the ball so damn hard that they need the thunder to mask it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. I figured that out. They're going to play ball. Yay. That's fun. Uh, okay. So we learned quite a bit today. Yes, we did. Uh, and what do you think? We, we learned happen it next? with mocking solid. Stop. Okay. Solemnity. <laughs> what, what do you think is going to happen next? Well, I think they're going to play ball, mm -hmm. but Emmett's going to be there. Uh, and I'm assuming, assuming Rosalie, me. <laughs> Rosalie will be there too. Yes, I think so. So we're, maybe there's going to be some tension there. Maybe. But I think that Carlisle is going to hit like a grand, a grand slam home run. Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, I'm just Tara kidding. winked at me when she said that, by the way, everybody. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I, I still don't know. It sounds like... I just want to tell you that this chapter, this next chapter, it's the crux of the, <laughs> crux of the book. Things start to get a little so, wacky. Here's my prediction. No, now there's no, that, there's no more prediction. With you saying that, here's no, my prediction. No, I don't want to do... Here's my prediction. No, I was, just, I was just telling you so that we can go into the next chapter that's it no but more here's predictions the no more are you predictions. ready okay bye. these other vampires that they're talking about showing up are going to show up at the baseball game what which ones the ones that edward said he was going to be in the last mm. chapter he said he was going to be more um he was going to be more uh protective and she mm-hmm. didn't, he didn't want her to think she he was nuts okay so they're going to show up because they're going to they're going to be like those that's not thunder that's baseball smash <laughs> That's, I never said anything. That's vampire baseball smacks. Dang, I you you guess so well. Other people say that too. Like in the spoilers that you oh. can't see, they're like, "My guess is so well. It's so weird." Oh. Like, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, I wouldn't have guessed that if you wouldn't have said the crux. Thing. I know. Dang it! I but it makes said. sense that like that's a pretty that's a pretty normal story trope for like people to be having like a good time and then the bad yeah. people to show up for mm-hmm. the first time. So, well, we don't know that they're bad. It's just like the crux okay. of the start of something different. Okay, here's what I'll say. Uh, y- yes, we don't know they're bad. I'm assuming they are because we haven't gotten mm-hmm. any other kind of conflicts in this book yet. <laughs> That's going to be like... And okay. I, think it, I think it's too early for the Jacob stuff because we don't really know enough about him. Mm. And I'm so I think it's got it. This book is just so predictable, isn't it? I don't know if it's predictable. I just think um, I pay attention. Yeah, you do. Too much attention. Well, Tara, thank you so much for coaching me today. You're welcome. I had a great time. Me too. And I hope uh, you understand that was not done with mock solemnity. Fine. When I said that. Yep. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.